You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. So let me uh, say a a quick word of prayer, uh, and then we'll dive into the text. Bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you for um, your word. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for, for speaking to us clearly in your word. Thank you for preserving your word for us. Lord, uh, I, I know that we believe that this, this book we have in front of us is not just merely a book. Lord, your word makes it clear that, that your words contained in the Bible are powerful and that they are profitable, good for us. That your word is like a two-edged sword, which pierces deep into our hearts and our souls. And that your word is like a mirror in which we look into. And so Lord, as we spend time in your word today, um, looking into the mirror of your word, Lord, I pray that you would not only uh, give us a reflection, show us the reflection of ourselves, our heart and our souls, but beyond that, give us a picture and an image and a reflection of your son Jesus at the cross. Give us, give us an image and a reflection in that mirror of the empty tomb of Christ as well. Remind us this morning of our great deep need for you. Remind us this morning, Lord God, as we look into the mirror of your word, of our need for you to come and to make us new. Of our need to come to the cross daily and watch the old person of sin inside of us die again at the cross Help us to see in the reflection of the mirror of your word. Help us to see a picture of the empty tomb. The victory that was had over the old person of sin which seeks to control us. Help us to see that picture of the tomb where the the new person is raised up. Lord, I pray that you would encourage and challenge each and every one of us through your word. Let that image and that picture of us And you just come together in this moment, in this time. Pray that your spirit, who is the only one that can do this work. I I am helpless and hopeless without you here this morning. If I stand in this pulpit, Lord God, I recognize that if I'm just preaching my words out of my strength, we we should all just go home. That what we really come here for is to hear from you. We We are desperate without you. And so God, I pray that... I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that your word would be like a two-edged sword, cutting deeply into the places of our hearts and souls that that maybe some of us have just been too afraid to go to. So God, I pray that you would do those things. Believe that you will be faithful to your word, because your word says that you are faithful to your own word. That when your word goes out, when it is preached, when it is spoken, when it is read, we know that 
We know that it does not return void, meaning that when you send your word out, Lord God, you have a purpose and a plan for your word. And we believe and we trust this morning that these moments are no different than any other. So we're here, hearts open, minds open, waiting to hear from you. We ask you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. I want to read through the entire text and then begin to preach from verses 10 down to 17. Begin in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Love the smaller room. New small room that we come and meet in because inevitably anybody who doesn't silence their phone gets looked at by everybody else in the room. Right? (laughs) And we are instantly grateful that... That we silenced our phones when somebody else didn't. It's perfect timing. Perfect.
perfect timing. <laughs> what what an awesome uh, <laughs> what, 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 an, what an awesome change what an awesome change to be here this morning you know, for some of us this feels like um, a revisit back to um, a place that we once used to be and, uh, and I think that for most if not all of us this feels like a good move um, there's some familiarity to us being here and um, and it's, it's fresh, right? It's, it's in the morning. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Fresh in the morning. But um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my Sunday night. Well, about the rest of you guys. I'm so used to being at church on a Sunday night. Here we are on a Sunday morning. It's good to have made this move and to be here worshiping with you guys. And I want to say, before I dive into preaching through the rest of this text, I want to say thank you to all of you that labored hard over the last really uh, six or seven months as we um, strategized and discussed and dreamed and assessed and evaluated um, what it would be like to move from doing a Sunday night church to a Sunday morning church. You guys thought through this hard. I believe that we made this decision based upon our desire to, um, to provide and to, and to be a church that is accessible and available to the wider community throughout Hastings. And, uh, and so I'm just grateful to you guys, grateful to a lot of you who did a lot of extra work this last week, packing stuff up. Um, some of you that were here late last night until like midnight. Was it midnight, Andrew? I got out of here about 11. It was about 11, all right. Um, so grateful to all of you that uh, gave extra time last night. So I know for some of us, this morning feels a little bit longer uh, because we were up working late last night. Um, uh, so let's, uh, maybe let's just kind of look around. And uh, let's give everybody else in the room a round of applause for the help. Yeah. It's okay to look around and catch somebody's eye and say, I see you. I caught you, I know. Um, it's okay to do that. You do the, you can't hold, you, the whole you can't see me thing. It's good to be in this new place, though. Um, it's good to be in this passage for a second week. After the reading of that passage, I want to remind us kind of the big idea of, uh, of what I think I see in the passage is this. Talking about being a new person, right? Talking about being a Christian. What does that mean? What does that look like? And what Paul is saying in these 17 verses that we've just read through is this. He's basically saying that a Christian is someone who is a new person with a new mindset, a new mindset who puts off the old person, who puts on the new person, and is filled with gratitude towards God. You think about all these different ideas within this big idea. A new mindset. Putting off the old person. Putting on the new person. A heart that overflows with gratitude towards God. Like this is the portrait that the Apostle Paul paints for us. This is the portrait that he draws for us on what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a new person in Christ Jesus. Like when you walked in here today, where was your heart at? Where was your soul at? What was your mind set on? You tired of pretending? Tired of performing? Tired of trying? 
Tired of failing? Tired of looking back over the years of your life and seeing little to no change at all? Tired of wondering what God wants from you, maybe? Where were you when you walked in this morning? What was your mind set on? Are you tired of wondering if you'll ever become the person that you've always wanted to be? Was your heart full of thanksgiving towards God for all that He is for you and all that He has done for you? Or are you struggling just here in these moments simply trying to escape from maybe the shackles of your old life or the shackles of your old mindset? And as we examine this passage more this morning... My prayer for us is that every one of us in this room, every one of us hearing this message, my hope and my prayer is that every one of us would encounter the Lord in, in such a way that we would maybe catch a fresh a revelation or a fresh picture or a fresh encounter with Christ. My hope is that every one of us hearing this message would catch maybe a new picture of what it means to be a new person, to be made new in Christ Jesus. My hope, my great hope as I've studied this passage and as I stand in front of you preaching is that the Lord would reach down and touch each of us in some way through His Spirit and give us a new mindset, each of us. That He would set our mind differently than it was when we walked in. That He would somehow supernaturally, through the power of His Spirit and the power of the preaching of His Word, that He would reveal to you and to I the old person of sin that is still seeking to control each of us. That He would paint that picture in such a way that we would see it clearly. That we would no longer be able to hide from Him that we would no longer just put our fig leaves of performance on, and that we would clearly catch a glimpse of ourselves to the extent that we would say, Man, now I understand my desperate need for Jesus. That's my hope, and that's been my prayer over the last few weeks. My, my prayer is that God would do these things for us and that as He does that, that what would well up from deep within us would be an overflowing sense of gratitude, thankfulness to God. See, see as we catch this picture of the old person of sin, the, the, the ugliness inside of us, the brokenness inside of each of us, as we catch that picture, it can be really easy for us to then just live in despair. I'm never going to change. Life sucks, right? You got to live there in despair. And that's, that's a fleshly way to live. That's living controlled still by the old person that you, as Paul says, once were. You're no longer that person if you've trusted in Christ, right? So if you and I were to live in despair, then we would just live just merely focused on the old sinful person that continues to rear its ugly head at times. I don't want that. 
I want us to catch a picture of the cross of Christ because at the cross of Christ is where we are changed, where we are transformed. I'm convinced anybody who spends time in the shadow of the cross of Christ, their heart will overflow with gratitude, thanksgiving to God. And the message of the cross of Christ, the, the message of the gospel, it's the centerpiece of the Christian life. It is at the cross of Christ that, that we are given a new mindset. It's at the cross of Christ where our old nature is put to death. It's at the cross of Christ that we are given a new nature. It's at the cross of Christ that our hearts are filled with gratitude towards God. Why? Because of His scandalous grace. And whenever I encounter someone who is walking around kind of like Eeyore, <coughs> you all know who Eeyore is, right? Yes. Walking around, droopy head, droopy ears, depressed. Man, I don't know. I don't know. <coughs> Man, this life is tough. That's somebody I want to say has not encountered the victorious redemption of the cross of Christ. This is someone who is not living in the shadow of the cross of Christ because gratitude is not overflowing and bubbling out of the wellspring of their heart. So my hope for us today is that God would bring us to that point at the end of this message, if not already. Look at verses 10 through 14. Verses 10 through 14, Paul teaches us that the new person puts on the new person. I know that sounds a little bit redundant. I need to grab my cup of coffee, so you just have to deal with me walking out into the audience. There's not much here. Would you give me some more coffee, please? That's awesome. How many of you guys get up, and when you get up in the morning, and you go, man, I need me a new cup of coffee? That's a pretty good transition. Don't you think that works? Okay. Paul teaches us is that the new person puts on the new person. Again, I know that kind of sounds a little bit redundant, but when the Apostle Paul teaches and when he writes, um, I think he wants to get his point across, so he continues to kind of get after it. One of the things I love is getting something new. Most of us love to get something new, shiny new objects or something I think we enjoy. I talked last week about wanting to get a shiny new pickup truck. Uh, we could argue over whether it needs to be a Chevy, a Dodge, or a Ford. Thank you for the new cup of coffee. Mm. Good stuff. Thank you, Melissa, for the good coffee this morning. The problem with getting shiny new things is this. When we get shiny new things, they often become old things. The shiny new things that you get today, that catch your attention today, become the old things that you place on a shelf tomorrow. That's the problem with shiny new things. They lose their luster. They lose their shine. They don't grab our attention the way that they used to. It's the same way with the Christian life. It could oftentimes be the same way. It's easy to get enamored with the newness of the Christian life. 
and then easily get distracted from that when the going gets rough, when the newness wears off, and then wind up putting our Christian life on the back shelf, so to speak. And when this happens, what we inevitably do is we inevitably turn back to our old sinful pathways, our old sinful living, the old man that the Apostle Paul has encouraged us to take off. <coughs> we inevitably return to old sinful pathways and old sinful lifestyles and old sinful practices and habits. And when we do that, what we, what we do is we begin to think that the old is now new, right? We go back to our old things and we begin to think, man, it just feels so much more comfortable there. Here in America, one of the uh, things that marks the historical part of our culture is, um, I think, uh, an ugly season in our history called um, the Civil War. What happened in the Civil War was there were some states in our country that were fighting viciously to free African-American slaves. And there were other states that were fighting viciously to keep their freedom to have African-American slaves. Horrifying period of our historical um, history. <coughs> One of the things that inevitably happened was as some slaves were freed, they didn't know what to do. And they wound up going back to the slave owners that they had always lived under. This is the picture of what you and I do. Oftentimes, Christ comes, sets us free, gives us a new life. It's shiny, it's new. It's what we've always wanted. But then as we begin to try to walk out that new life, we oftentimes attempt to go back to our old life because that was the comfortable place. That slave master that once owned us, whatever it may be for you, whether that just be some inward desire or some habitual pattern of practice in your life, whether it be a struggle with anger and rage or a struggle of passivity and laziness, whether that be a struggle with a bottle of alcohol or a struggle with a drug of your choice, whether that be a struggle of, of overspending and mismanaging, or whether it be what seems to be the small struggle maybe of mismanaging the things that God has given you. Whatever that sinful struggle has been in your life, what we often do is we go back to it. The Apostle Paul in Romans makes it clear that dogs go back to their vomit. <laughs> it's a gross thing. It's a picture that Paul paints to remind us and let us know of just how disgusting and broken we really are. And what Paul's calling us to do here is to be people who are actually new. New people who continue to put on the new person. It should not be this way. It should not be this way that we continue to go back to our slave masters, right? We should be new people who walk in newness of life, who are actively putting on the new person. 
And what Paul does here is he transitions in, in verse 10, he transitions away from his practical instructions regarding how to put off the old person. Last week we talked about putting off the old person. He transitions away from putting off the old person by killing sin and by putting away sin. And now what he does is he, he moves into further instruction regarding how the new person puts on the new person. And what he's going to teach us is that man, you and I have got to be renewed. If we're going to put on the new person, then we simply have to be renewed. We need to be renewed. We need to remove relational barriers in our lives. We need to rest in a new identity. We need to wear new clothing. So verse 10, the new person puts on the new person by being renewed. What Paul does is he says it's time to put off the old person by killing sin and putting away sin. Why? Why? Because, Paul says, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is a picture of the renewal that God brings into our lives when we believe the gospel, when we trust in Christ as our Savior and our Redeemer. It is in this renewal that we are actually restored from the broken vessels that we once were. We were broken. When we came to Christ, He restored us and made us new. He transformed us, changed us, changed the way that you thought, changed the way that you desired, and then changed the way that you behaved. This is not just a one-time thing. That's probably one of the biggest problems for us as we approach the Christian life and this topic of newness. Whether it's a prayer at a camp that you prayed, <coughs> or an experience on a Sunday morning in a church, or a Facebook post that you saw on Facebook, whatever it may be for you, we oftentimes think, man, I just had the greatest experience ever. I'm new. I'm changed. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus, right? And then, and then what happens is you go back for that same experience, just like... Tapping the vein, getting the needle in, and, and you start chasing that same high. Now what happens is sometimes the experience isn't so great. And you begin to wonder, man, what happened? And you begin to walk in despair. You go back to your old ways, right? concept of being renewed is not just a one-time thing. And it's also not just an experience that you and I feel. The Apostle Paul points to being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is the picture of the renewal that God brings into our lives and continues to bring into our lives when we and as we. Listen, I use those words intentionally. When we and as we. When we and as we experience the gospel. When was the last time you experienced the power of the gospel in you? Was it this week? Conversation with a friend? Conversation with a spouse? Time spent in the scriptures? 
quiet moments spent with your journal open, a moment spent with a song of worship on, time spent watching the sun go down. When was the last time you experienced the gospel? When you and as you. It's not just when, like a one-time thing. It's as you continue to move forward, you and I have got to be putting on the new person. We've got to be renewed. And being made new is a day-by-day process for you and I. Jesus died at the cross, and at the cross He said, It is finished. So your newness has been has been purchased, right? It has been created. The newness that you have in Christ, it's complete. Yet you and I are not in heaven, and since we're not in heaven, we walk out a moment by moment and day by day process of renewal. It's a process of renewal. Some people are like, well, man, Sunday mornings is where I get re-energized. There's some truth to that. But let me just say this. You're not just a consumer. You're not just a consumer. You don't get to just show up on Sunday or gospel community and say, man, that's where I got energized. Let me ask you, who got re-energized because of you? Because you and I need to be both consumers and contributors. We need to contribute. So it's not just about you or I. It's a both and consuming and contributing. Renewed. Need to be renewed in the gospel. Need to be restored by the cross of Christ. A new person also puts on the new person by removing relational barriers. This is an interesting portion of our text. (coughs) Paul says that as a new person who has been renewed in the image of our Creator, we are now in a place, verse 11, where we are now in a place where there is not Greek and Jew. This is relate, or racial barriers. We are not circumcised and uncircumcised. These are religious barriers. We're not barbarian and Scythian. These are cultural barriers. We are not slave free. These are social barriers. But Christ is all and in all. Over all those barriers, they are simply relational barriers. There are no racial, religious, cultural, or social barriers for those who have trusted in Christ. There should be no barrier there for you and I. Because at at the cross of Christ, all of these barriers were broken down. There was nothing that separates us anymore. Basic message of the gospel is this, that you and I, in our relationship with God, have been separated from Him by our sin. Basic message of the gospel. Our sin separates us from God. Your brokenness, your struggle day in and day out, separates you from God. That's a relational barrier. There's a great chasm in between you and God. There's no way you could get to God on your own. Because you are broken and sinful, you and I both. And so when Christ died at the cross, He reconciled us. He restored us. He renewed us. He redeemed us. All of those big, fancy, what you might call religious words, even though they're not, 
All those big fancy words simply mean that what Jesus did at the cross was that he broke down all the barriers that separate us relationally from our Father in heaven who loves us. And if he has done that, then there is no relational barrier that should separate us. There's no racial barrier. doesn't matter what color or background you come from. You and I, if we've trusted in Christ, we've been made new together and are now part of the same family. Family is diverse. Family is different. Oftentimes people are like, man, I found the, I found the best church for me. It's got a bunch of people that look like me, act like me, talk like me, think like me. That's great. <laughs> I, I always seem to think that if we could fill the world up with all of me, it'd be better too. You find the hypocrisy in what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you see the conceitedness in what I'm saying? I think the world would be a much better place if it was full of people just like me and didn't have to deal with anybody that was different than me, that thought different than me, that, that felt different than me, that liked different trucks than me or different bass guitars than me or whatever it may be, right? Anytime you think you find a church that just looks like you, feels great because everybody acts like you, I'm trying, I think you should probably run. You should probably run. There's got to be some diversity, right? No more barriers, no more racial barriers, no more cultural barriers. It doesn't matter what background or culture you came from, whether you were poor or rich, doesn't matter. God saves every person that He has chosen to save through the power of the cross, through the message of the gospel, despite what you and I think would be great. I always think that if I were God, I would have done things a lot different. That's why I say, all the relational barriers are broken down. This is part of being a new person. This is part of putting on the new person. It's realizing that those relational barriers have been removed. And you and I need to work hard, labor hard, at continuing to remove those. They've already been broken down in a spiritual sense. You and I need to make sure we walk in those. And just ask yourself, like, are, are you consumed with with, uh, with, with religious differences, maybe? Ignorant or hostile to racial reconciliation? Feel like you're in a lower cultural or social class? And Christ removed those barriers. Christ's cross is the reconciler of all relational barriers. And the new person also puts on the new person by... Resting in a new identity. I could spend a lot of time here. The new person puts on the new person by resting, listen to that, resting in a new identity. Paul says that we put on this new person. Like it's, 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 it's an act that you and I go through. <laughs> in fact, I love to tell people all the time, like when you get dressed in the morning and you're putting on fresh, clean clothes, at least I hope you put on fresh clean clothes. If you don't, this could just be your practical instruction that when you get up in the morning, you should put on fresh, clean clothes. Otherwise, you will smell funny. It's actually an outward work of the gospel at work in our lives, right? Rest in a new identity. 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, verse 12, rest in that new identity. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Listen to these words. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is your new identity. This is what God calls us to rest in. This is who you are. You are God's possession. You belong to Him. You are not your own. You do not belong to yourself. You actually belong to your Father in heaven if you have trusted in Christ. You are His possession. God's. God's chosen ones. God's. You belong to Him. You're His child. He owns you. You no longer belong to a slave master that you keep running back to. You now belong to God. He is your father. You are his daughter or his son. That's who you belong to. He owns you. Even when you continuously try to go back to the old slave master, right? The old life. Even when you discontinue putting the old life to sleep and to death and put away. You still belong to God. It's not like God keeps going back to the flea market to buy you again with his credit card. It's not what he does. He paid the price once and for all for you. Once you become his, you are his. God's chosen ones. This is your identity. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. There's nothing you or I could do that can change the fact that if you have come to that place, you've heard the gospel and you've trusted in Him, you belong to Him. God's chosen ones. He chose you. Holy and beloved. Holy is perfect. He's made you perfect in the cross of Christ. Beloved, you've moved from, you've moved from being the enemy who is who is in danger of the wrath of God, the anger of God, and you're now in the family and you are beloved. This now describes you, defines you. You are holy, set apart by God for His special purposes. You're His perfect prize. Our Father went out as a king in battle to conquer. And when He conquered, He conquered all that was set against you, your enemy, my enemy, our common enemy, Satan, sin, the grave, all coming after us, right? God was victorious as a king over our three great enemies, and he won you as his prize, as his child. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from God's love. We are now objects, if you trust in Christ, you are now an object of His never-ending, inseparable. These are important words. Never-ending, inseparable, unexplainable, unconditional love. You think oftentimes that God's love was given to you on condition that you do X, Y, or Z. And the truth is, is that God's love was lavished upon you because of the X, Y, and Z that Christ did at the cross, that causes my heart to well up with thanksgiving and gratefulness to God. Helps me put on 
the new person. Helps me rest in a new identity. And the new person also puts on the new person by wearing new clothing. I know I keep kind of going back to the new clothing piece. Talked a minute ago about getting up early in the morning and putting on new clothes. I was getting ahead of myself. And this is a part of the Christian life. It's putting on new clothing every day. So many people today connect uh, identity with clothing. Think about it. Many of us feel valuable, maybe, or superior, based upon the kind of clothing that we wear. Now, Nate and I have this conversation going back and forth about his shiny shoes. And now that I'm talking about it from the pulpit, he's probably never going to wear them again. I hope he does. They are some really bright, shiny, and they look sweet. If you haven't seen Nate's shiny new shoes, you need to look at them. I haven't seen them. In a small room like this, a small room like this, everybody is now looking at Nate, except for Tyler, of course. <laughs> um, but we've been joking that I want to get me a shiny new pair of shoes like that. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing my Chucks today, and they're not so shiny. So there's a little bit of jealousy going on here. <laughs> Oftentimes, though, all joking and kidding aside, we, we let our clothing that we wear dictate our identity. Listen close. We oftentimes let the clothing, the externals, we let the externals dictate who we think we are. I hope you're catching this. Because it should not be that way. It should not be that way that the externals of our life dictate or influence, or inform us, or instruct us on our identity. It should be the other way around. Your identity, who you really are deep down inside, who Jesus says you and I are, holy, chosen, God's possession, loved by Him, Son, Daughter, Identity should then drive and inform and influence and instruct your externals. What you wear. But the reality is that oftentimes we get this backwards. And the reality is that our identity in Christ, though, is set and sealed. It's unchanging. It's unchanging. This is why the, the doctrines of grace, if anybody's tracking with me on that, the doctrines of grace are so important. So important for us because they inform and uphold what I'm talking about here. Our identity, who we really are, should dictate the clothing we wear. The clothing we wear, our externals, doesn't dictate our identity, who we are. Paul says, put on then, verses 12 through 14, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This new person 
that He's calling us to be puts on the new person by wearing new clothing in the company of one another in the community of the gospel. This passage is one of the great one another's of the New Testament. Always surprises me when somebody says, I'm a Christian. I don't need church. Oh. So God just saved you and you're it. And you're going to heaven to be by yourself then. I get it. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I see that all over the scriptures. Insert lots of sarcasm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, you know, I think church for me would be like, you know, sitting in the mountains by myself and just looking at... Uh, Looking at the birds, find out, yeah, that's good. Yeah, God saved you to be all by yourself. <laughs> well, church for me is probably like, you know, going to a coffee shop, just kind of talking to whoever, uh, whoever comes across my path. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Church was all about you so that you could choose who you get to spend time with. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's why Jesus gave his life at the cross. Insert extra sarcasm, right? <laughs> I mean, I, how do I say all this? Well, because I've been there. I mean, I've been there. I get it. <laughs> it seems much easier. The problem is that the problem with all this is you run into a massive passage like this and you can't really get around it. I mean, you could try to reinterpret it. <laughs> I mean, the basic problem of this passage, if you were to try to interpret it differently, would be this. You have an issue with the fact that the Apostle Paul who was a pastor of churches, that planted churches, wrote this letter to a church of people that made up a church. Period. Simple, right? So this is one of the great one another's in all of Scripture. This is not consumer clothing. It's contributor clothing. It's the other piece of what the Apostle Paul unpacks here. It's not, hey, Hey, go be part of a church where everybody will be kind to you and bear with you in your sin and be patient with you. He doesn't say that. He flips it the other way. He says, you, in community, put on this kind of clothing. He say, go find a community where everybody is patient with you, kind with you, bears with you, loves you. He says, you, in community, part of one another, do these things with each other. You are instructed to put on the clothing of compassionate hearts, right? Compassionate hearts instead of being indifferent to the needs of others. Kindness instead of being rude to one another. Humility instead of being proud of your accomplishments. Meekness instead of being harsh. Patience instead of expecting things to happen overnight. Bearing with one another in the slow grind of gospel change. Instead of heaping unrealistic expectations upon one another. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other instead of complaining about everyone else's shortcomings and failures. This is the clothing that the Lord wears as He forgives you and I. Think about that. That's the clothing that Christ wears when He comes to you and I. Christ is forgiving. Christ doesn't entertain a long list of complaints against you and I. Christ bears with you and I, though we are slow to grow in the gospel. Jesus is more patient with you and I than we will ever comprehend. Jesus is meek, yet firm and courageous. 
Christ's humility is evidenced at the cross. He didn't come to crush. He came to give himself as a sacrifice. Christ's kindness towards you and I, towards us, is beyond measure. You can't measure the kindness of God towards you and I. His compassion towards us, it's without end. The final piece of the clothing that he gives us to put on. What do you think could hold all this stuff together anyways? It's God's love. It's the love of Christ that holds it all together. This is why Paul says, Above all these things we must put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Listen, without love, there is nothing. Without love, there's no true compassion. There's no true kindness without God's love. There's no true humility without God's love. There's no true meekness without God's love. There's no true patience without God's love. Without God's love weaving all these things together, we make up our own form of this clothing. And then what we wear is what we believe to be those things. And we distort the actual meaning of those things. Without God's love weaving these things together, we have nothing. Without God's love, without God's love, He would have never been patient with you and I in our sin. Without God's love, there, there, there would have only been a long list of complaints and sin against you and I. Without God's love, there would be no forgiveness. There, 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 there would be nothing. God's love is what binds everything together. This is why the Apostle Paul says, and above all this, put on the love of God. Above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The love of God is the belt that holds all this clothing together. Let's spend a minute just wrapping up and, and applying this principle. Ask yourself, are you a new person? Are you a new person who is actively putting on the new person? Are you being renewed in the gospel daily? Go back and think about those relational barriers. Are those relational barriers of racial, religious, cultural, or social separation, have they been removed from your life? Are you resting in your new identity? Are you resting in your new identity as God's chosen and perfect and, and loved son or daughter? This is what it means to be a new person who puts on the new person? Are you wearing gospel clothing in the context of Christian community? This is what it means to be the new person who puts on the new person. You and I both must be actively engaged in putting on the new person by being renewed daily. Removing relational barriers constantly. Resting in our new identity moment by moment and putting on new clothes every day. I'm going to save point four about Thanksgiving for next week so you can all breathe a sigh of relief. 
I'm going to close us in prayer. And whenever Alyssa gets back, then we could uh, close in worship and communion. Father, thank you for our time in the scriptures today. Thank you for giving us this passage, for teaching us about what it means to be new, to be made new. Thank you for teaching us about what it means to put on the new person, to rest in the identity of being yours. Thank you for the reminder of the cross of Christ. Thank you for the reminder of um, just being renewed daily in the gospel. Thank you for the reminder, Lord God, of what it means to be a part of a gospel community, a community of the gospel and for the gospel and by the gospel. Thank you for the, uh, the reminder of what it looks like to just continue to grow daily. Lord, I just pray for each of us this week. Lord, I ask that you would help us to rest in you. Help us to take moments to spend with you. Help us to desire to hear from you. Help our hearts to be made new in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're closed by engaging in communion together. Communion elements are here near the front. There'll be two of us up at the front to serve you. And we'll also hand up uh, out up here and pray for you if you have any needs. I would encourage you if you're with us today and if you're with us today and you're not you're not yet following Christ, we'd ask that you not engage in communion because it would just be kind of a meaningless activity, a religious performance, and we don't want to do that. But if you're here today and you trusted in Christ, you trusted in His work at the cross, then we call you to engage in communion with us. It's a physical reminder of His broken body and His shed blood at the cross. Christ was innocent. Jesus was innocent. He was perfect. He was willing. He came and He gave Himself for you and I. This is the rehearsal of that. We rehearse that. My hope is that it brings joy to you as we rehearse that together. So let's engage in communion, close in worship. Love you guys. Just let me preach. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.